talk this morning about deception, and I want to touch on the light that we should be bringing to ourselves. And if you observe, all you need to do is observe what's going on uh, in the world and in our country today. And there is this cloud of deception, I'll call it, that is settled in over everything. And the national media, they, they take a lie and they, they perpetrate that lie and they put it out there for people. And you know the old saying, and I believe it's true, if you hear a lie long enough, some people believe it, not everybody, but some people believe it. And they, they put these things out there, their views, the progressive, the, um, the liberal view. And the progressive, they believe that they're going to progress into a better place, a better way of living. But their ideas and their thinking moves away from the Bible, moves away from what is godly. And the end of that will be confusion and, and you know, all kinds of problems, as you see throughout the world. And I was thinking about this verse this, this morning. It says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And that became the starting point for Noah building the ark. And often wonder how long the Lord is going to allow things in the world to continue digressing further and further and further and further away from God and further away from the truth, further away from what we read in the scriptures and so on. But in Luke 21, verse 8, and he said, take heed or see. Observe, consider, take heed that you, you do not be deceived, that you're not uh, misled, that you're not led away from the truth. For many will come in my name saying, I am he, and the time is drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them, whoever they may be, male, female, whoever they are, them, pronoun, don't go after them. So Jesus warns in the gospel uh, about deception, and I taught something similar to this last year sometime, about a year or so ago, but this kept on coming to me again, so we'll look at some things here. There are two basic instruments of deception, and if you go and talk to Christians, the first thing that they will say is Satan. And that is true. You have Satan. Uh, you have the world system. The world system, the world as we see it, is probably, I, I would describe that as an extension of the hand of Satan. So that's one means of deception, one instrument. The other means of deception is man or we'll say self-deception. And if you look in the scriptures, for example, uh, in, in Mark 4, where Jesus is taken by Satan up to the pinnacle of the temple, and Satan tries to deceive him 
through his words, and he says, well, throw yourself down. You know, the Bible says the angels will not let you dash your foot against a rock. And if you look in the scriptures and you see, uh, I have a, a few verses here from Peter, one's from Peter. Remember when Jesus went uh, into the land of the Gadarenes and there was, there was two men who were possessed, they were in the tombs, and they come out and it says of them that they were exceedingly fierce. So the deception of Satan is pretty much straightforward, kind of like, you know, in your face type of thing. Peter says this, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion. See, he's right there, roaring. You, you, you see it. Now, not all will fall under the deception of the devil. Those of you who have been, have been enlightened, hopefully, will not fall under that deception. But the deception of Satan is pretty straightforward. It's, it's right there. You can see it. But whenever man becomes involved in the deception, then it becomes harder to see. And to the point where many don't see it when man is involved. So in, in Revelation it says, The old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. Well, how did he deceive the whole world? How did he uh, put that, that seeds into the world system? Well, through man. So Jesus could identify Satan real quick. Satan comes, he says certain things, he suggests certain things, you know right away, it, it's, it's the enemy, it's, your, it's the enemy of your soul, it's Satan. But now when the deception moves to man, now that's something completely different. Now in 1 John, Peter says this, but there were false prophets among the people. Now, this isn't the devil. These are false prophets. They're, they're men or women. Uh, there were false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies or a choice or a different aim is what that means, the heresies. It, it's a, they, they take the attention from where it should be, and they move it very, very subtly to another thing or another emphasis. And some of you who were in the church many years, many years ago when we had an issue in the church, there was a deception there. And most of the people didn't see it. Some of the leaders saw it. I knew something was up, but I couldn't put my finger on it. So I waited and waited and waited, and the Lord opened it up to me. So when man gets involved with the deception, now that's, that's something different. Now it becomes harder to see. It's not apparent at all. So Peter says, but there were false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, a different focus, even denying the Lord that bought them. And I don't want to say that's common, but uh, this occurs 
in Christian circles, sometimes unbeknownst to the people themselves, and I guess some of the leaders in the church. Now in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, Little children, it is the last hour or the last time. As you have heard that Antichrist is coming, that's, a, that's singular in the Greek, meaning a person, even now many Antichrists, plural, have come by which we know that it is the last hour. Now the word Antichrist means against, is one of the meanings, uh, opposed to, if you go, and I believe it's in Vines, he defines this as in the place of, or in other words, a substitute. Something else in the place of Christ. Very interesting. And that which becomes in the place of Christ occurs in the heart of the individual. They're out here looking for the antichrists. Where are they? Where are they? And something else is substituted in their heart. There's a different aim, a different goal, a different way, a different direction. And the enemy gets a foothold in them. Now in 1 John 4, well, before you go there, let's turn to Romans 1. The spirit of Antichrist is at work in the world. And as a Christian, you would almost have to be totally spiritually blind, and there are some, not to see the spirit of Antichrist that's in this world. And that spirit is gaining momentum, just like it says in Revelation in different places, that you know it's going to become more and more and more difficult and more evil. Evil bonds grace does much more bound. So the spirit of Antichrist can be seen even now to a great degree in our country. See, we don't live in the same country that I grew up in. Some of you who are older. It's not even the same country it was 25 years ago. Uh, you know, I could tell you what, what it was like when I was younger. It was totally different. And now that which is hidden, was hidden, is brought out, and the media puts their spin on it, and they take that which is evil... And that which is of the spirit of Antichrist, and they put their label on it that this is okay, that this is fine, this is the way, you know, equal rights for everyone. In, in uh, Romans 1, verse 26, for this reason God gave them up to vile passion. And even their women exchange a natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural, natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to 
the King James says reprobate. New King James says debased, worthless. Uh, mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness. And then if you go down to verse 31, it says undiscerning. You know, not being able to discern the deception. And so you see, even in the church, where churches accept certain behavior that is quite apparent to those who are in God or in Christ, that that is not of God. But yet, because of the world system and the spirit of Antichrist, which is at work, you know, people just, they just accept what's brought out. Oh, that's okay. This is fine. You know, this. And not only that, but they embrace it. And in doing so, some of what we see, it leads others into that lifestyle. Rather than leading them to Christ where there can be deliverance or change, it leads them in another way. And in John, 1 John 4, verse 1, Beloved, do not, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God. Why? Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. So do you think a, pro a false prophet or a false teacher is going to get up and say, uh, well, everybody here today, let's deny Jesus. You know, he didn't die for your sins. Uh, I don't believe in the resurrection. No, they don't come out and say that. It has to be a subtle thing. There has to be a shift in the teaching. It, says, it does not say here... Do not believe every, what every person says. It doesn't say that. It says, do not believe every spirit. So a person can be speaking, and we are to know or allow the Spirit of God to, to show us and teach us what the spirit behind what they're saying is saying. Believe not every spirit. By this know the Spirit of God. Every spirit, every spirit, every spirit. Not just what the person's saying. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is already in the world. Confess means agree. Agree. Every spirit that agrees. And a person can preach, a person can teach, a person can prophesy, and prophesy with a spirit that is not correct. And then there's a, there's a problem. And Jesus will look at that verse. Jesus said that that light in you is darkness. The light in you, that's hard to really comprehend that. The light is in you is darkness. And then in 2 John 7, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. So 
the spirit of Antichrist comes out from the spirit of those who are in deception to some degree or other. If a person is moving in darkness, if a, if a person is having this cloud of deception roll over them, then you will see that they will, they will at some point, you'll see certain things come out from their life, and that will be the spirit of Antichrist. It's going to contradict Christ, Christ and Christ's teaching. Antichrist will contradict. Now turn to John 8. See, when we are moving about during the week, we need to have, so to speak, our spiritual antenna up. We, we need to be aware of what is what. Allow the Lord to teach us you know, what is of God and what is of the spirit of Antichrist. That just because someone comes on TV and opens the Bible and starts to teach or preach does not mean that everything is fine. But many false prophets and false teachers shall arise. Where do you think they're going to arise? In the church. Out from the church. There's not somebody out there that's, uh, that's unsaved, all of a sudden they decide they're going to teach. Well, let's, let's do something different, guys. Let's just start the Bible, get the Bible and start teaching. No, no, they don't do that. It's from the church. So John 7, or excuse me, John 8, verse 37. So this is Jesus teaching. And in verse 37 here, he's dealing here with the people. He's dealing with the religious leaders. In verse 30, he says, I know that you are Abraham's seed. Jesus says this, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you, do, and you do what you have seen with your father. And they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. And so here you have the people, you have the religious leaders, and they take this in that because they are the seed of Abraham, that everything is okay, that they are the chosen, they are fine. So they, they take that and they swallow that. Satan you know, feeds that to them, they take it. Now they're in deception. And they believe they're Abraham's seed. And Jesus goes on, he says, Now if you were Abraham's seed... You would not seek to kill me. No, Abraham didn't do that. So here you have those who are dwelling and walking in darkness. They believe that they're in the truth because they're Abraham's seed. They believe everything is fine. But now Jesus comes along and he tries to tell them that they're deceived and they say, You have a devil. It's, it's really strange. You see that many times in uh, Christian circles where you know, someone will say something or, or go a certain way 
and they think they're walking in, in the way. They think they're walking in light. And then someone who sees comes and says something to them, and they, they no, you're, you're wrong. And so you have someone who is actually seeing and is in the light. They're not deceived. And over here you have someone who, who's in the deception. Very strange. In John 7, verse 32. And the Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him, and the Pharisees, meaning Jesus, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. So here you have the religious leaders here, and they believe that they're in the light. They believe that Jesus is deceived, and even some of the people said that Jesus is deceiving the people. They said the same thing, he's deceiving the people. So what makes them, as far as you know, the word of God, what makes them correct in saying that Jesus is deceived? What makes Jesus correct in saying that they're deceived? So you have this, this back and forth. Verse 44. Now some of them went to take Jesus. They send these, these officers to take him. But no one laid hands on him. Then the officers came back to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why have you not brought him? And the officers answered, No man ever spake like this man. So... The Pharisees, they're in deception, and they're telling them, you go get him because he's deceived. They see something and hear something. They come back and they say, no man spoke like him before. So in their heart, they're not in the same deception that the Pharisees are in because they heard something. And that registered with them. They didn't rest Jesus. Verse 47, then the Pharisees answered them, are you also deceived? Are you also deceived? Or they should say, are you not in the deception that we're in? Something. Now, how can someone like the priest or the Pharisees who read the law, who pick up the scrolls and the scriptures and read them, and teach from them, and do what looks on the surface to be good. I mean, these people went to the synagogue all the time. How can it be that these people, some of them dedicated their life to being a Pharisee, like we see Paul did? How is it that these people were deceived? How is it that they trying, they're in there trying to do what they think is right to do, and they think that they're right. They think they're in the light. And Jesus tries to tell them in many times in the gospel, you're not in the light. In various ways he says that. You're not in the light. But they don't believe it because they think they're in the light. So if we think we're in the light, we're okay, right? No. The religious leaders thought they were in the light. And they were not in the light. They weren't even close to the light, some of them. Matthew 6. Do you know that 
I don't know if you could say almost, but yeah, I mean, all cults, almost all cults, almost all false religions find their roots in the Bible, in the scriptures. Did you know that? Years ago, when I was at the Bulk Mill Center, I had to deal with, there was about a half a dozen Jehovah Witnesses, and it seemed like they kind of gravitated toward me, and they wanted to speak about the scriptures. And you take a scripture, as one guy said to me, he said, so let's deal with one scripture. He said, and you look at it, and I'll look at it, and we'll come back in two days, and we'll sit down. That's okay. And so we dealt with certain scriptures. And it was amazing to me that they could read the same verse and be in the dark. Amazing. The same verses we looked at, identical. And they were far, far, far away from the light. You couldn't make them see the light. You just very plainly, this is what this is, is, is meaning. Oh, no, no, that doesn't mean that. Cults, taking what they believe and the foundation from their, for their religion out of the same Bible in many instances that you and I read. They have the same roots. Well, what's going on? Turn to Matthew 6. The Pharisees. The Pharisees studied the scriptures, they looked at the scrolls, they read them in the synagogue, they heard them read, the scribes sat there and took every letter and every little mark and they, they would copy all the manuscripts, however long it took them. That's what they did. And do you think when they're writing them that they're thinking and Reading them? Yes, they're reading them. They're reading the word, and they're writing it. Well, how is it that they read the same scroll that Jesus did, that Paul did, that Peter did, that the other disciples did, and they have something completely different as far as what's you know, coming out of them? He, Abraham would not try to kill Jesus, he said, but you do. So you're not of the seed of Abraham. Oh, physically, yes, that's your heritage, but not of the spiritual seed of Abraham. So is every Christian of the spiritual seed of Abraham? Interesting question. Is everyone that... It you know, goes to a church that says they're a Christian church. Are they of the seed of Abraham? No. In Matthew 6, verse 22, the lamp of the body is the eye. Now, what, what eye is he talking about? Your physical eye? Well, your physical eye needs to sit, sit there and read. You need your physical eye, yes, but that's not what he's really talking about. He's talking about the eye of your spirit, your inner, the inner man. The lamp of the body is the eye. 
or the light of the body is the eye, the King James says. The light, the light is the eye. That's the, that's the way it's going to come in. If therefore your eye is, what's it say in the King James? Single, that's right, single, thank you. Mine says good, and that's okay, it, that's, um, that's one of the meanings. If thy eye is single, your whole body, your whole being will be full of light. Uh, some translations say if your eye is good, some say if your eye is sound, if your eye is healthy. Uh, I like Loanita's meaning if it's functioning properly. So if the eye of your soul or the eye of your spirit is functioning properly, uh, then your whole body will be full of light so that you read the Bible, maybe the same verse that some of the cults read. And because your eye is functioning properly or because it's clear, clear, or because it's pure, then you will be gathering light, the true light, pure light. So remember what, what does Peter say? He says, desire the sincere or the unpolluted or the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So growth, for it to be proper growth, has to have pure milk. Not just milk, pure milk, for there to be a proper growth. For there to be the true, correct light in you, in me, then my eye, your eye, must be clear. It must, you know, in other words, you, you don't have all these other things going on where you, you have wrong motivations, you know, for example when we had this issue years ago in the church, uh, the individual uh, read some of the same Bible that everybody else read, but the main difference was that he had a goal and a motive behind the teaching, the preaching of the Word, the reading of the Word when he was here. And when that occurs... You're not filled with the correct light. So it goes on here and says, verse 23, but if your eye is evil, see, wrong motivations, things going on in your, in your heart. Well, you know, why are you doing what you do? Is it for the benefit of others? Or do you want recognition? Or do you want this? Or do you want to, you know, to take the church this way or that way? See, what's going on? Well, the Lord sees all that. And that affects the person if their eye is evil or their eye is not pure because then they think that they're gathering the correct light and they end up not gathering the, the correct, the pure light. And then they have this portion of darkness in them. So he says here, but if your eye is evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. It only takes time. It takes time, but it happens. And then Jesus says this, if therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? The person now is in deception. They think they're in the light. Well, they may go to die and go to heaven. But that does not mean 
that they're, they're, um, they're in the light, walking in the light, and they have this correctness in their spirit. So, you know, so what's the difference between someone who is in the cult using the same scripture that you're over here using? Well, there can be a big difference if your eye is single, if it's pure. If it's pure, if your heart is pure. And you're not you know, going after other things. Your motivations of your heart are correct. Then what you're going to do, you're going to bring in light. It's, it's very odd. One person can be bringing to themselves what they think is light, but it's not light. It's, it's mixed with pollutants. And someone over here, because of their heart, they're bringing in the pure light. So if the, if the light or the lamp of the body is, is the eye, therefore, if your eye is single, it's clear, it's pure. So when you're gathering the light, you're gathering it with a pure heart. No other motivations going on there. Then your whole body, your whole being is going to be full of light. You're not going to be deceived. You'll, you'll be able to see the deception. See, there is a self-deception that is in people many times. In Christians, you can be self, self. We'll look at a couple verses. Self-deception. And, and James says this, you speak evil of your brother. You know, you have an evil eye toward your brother. He says, you're, you're not going to be a doer of the law. You say, if you do that, you're saying the law is evil. The law, the commandments are evil. But what the Lord brings to you is evil. He says, you're not a doer of the law. You're here, but you're not a doer. You're hearing the word, but you're not doing it. So the inner eye, the seeing, the light that you are to gather, you are to gather that in purity for, for you to be and become what you are to become in God. And for you to see certain deceptions of man, you must gather the light in purity. Now in Timothy it says this, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So they deceive because they're in deception, and because they're in deception, they're being deceived. They're deceiving themselves, self-deception, and then they're deceiving others. And he attributes that to uh, evil men and imposters. And if you'll remember, I don't have the scripture here, but in Acts, Paul says, When I depart, ravenous wolves will enter in and destroy. Well, they're going to enter in where? The church. Why are they accepted and not identified for what they are? It's because there's a deception in the people or the leaders because they are not gathering the light in purity. Uh, you can have mixed, you can have a partially polluted milk, the word. And because you have a pure heart, you can filter that out. Did you know that? You can filter that out. And you can see what is correct and what is not correct, and you can receive what's correct and I remember years ago, in a, church, in a church I was at, 
I was a young Christian, and this man got up and taught Sunday school. He was a leader in the church, and I was just like, I never heard ever in my life ever heard a person speak like this guy. He is what you would call like a Paulist. He, he was an orator, and he just had this commanding voice, and just, just everything flowed, no fill-in words and all this stuff. You see, wow, just go. I was like, wow, this, this is really something. I was young, what did I know? Well, I was deceived there, see, until I found out that later on he was one of the top people that led this rebellion against the, the pastor and destroyed the church. So you have the wrong motivation. You gather the light. You hear the light from the pulpit, and it doesn't you, do you any good because you know, you don't, you don't, you're not gathering that impurity. You know, it's polluted. James 1.22. Somebody read that for me. Richard? James 1.22. You see that? If a person is going to be a hearer of the word only, then deception is going to come into their life in some way because they're not a hearer and a doer. And I'll read this from Revelation. Jesus said to the, the one church, or Laodicean church, because you say I am rich and become wealthy and have need of nothing, I do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So they were in deception. The church, he was addressing the church because they were there in deception. They thought everything was fine. They were rich. And she said, no, no, you're, you're deceived. You're, you're poor. Now, I was going to go to Samuel, but uh, I'll just read the verse. Remember, the Lord tells uh, Saul that when you go into the Amalekites, he says, he says, destroy them all. Destroy everything. doesn't matter what, what it is, the animals, everything. Destroy it all. So Saul goes... He doesn't destroy Agag, who was the king of the Amalekites, and he allows the people to bring all the best of the flock back. So the, the prophet Samuel comes, and this is what the conversation between them. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. And he says to Samuel, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And the next verse, Samuel says, well, then what is the bleating of the sheep that I hear? Well, I'm hearing the sheep. What is that? So Saul was deceived. He was deceived in his heart, thinking he did the commandment of the Lord, when in fact he did not. See, because there was something in him that wasn't right, and that affected his whole being. See, the Lord gives us opportunities as we go along. And he'll unveil. He'll bring to us something that the Lord sees that we don't see. And he gives us the opportunity to take care of that or to make it right. Now, if the Lord is saying to me that, okay, this particular thing here is not right, and I ignore that, and I don't, I'm not a doer of the word, I'm just a hearer of it. And, and there you have it there, right in front of me, and I push aside, 
that's no big deal, I'll just keep on going. Then what happens there is that now something in me is not right. Have you ever run into someone where something in them is just not right? You don't know what it is. And the one who can touch and heal that, they don't go to him. They don't go to be healed. They don't go uh, the way that the Lord is showing them to bring about the healing. Like being at the jail and offering some of the uh, inmates dealing with unforgiveness to, to come forward and forgive a person for what they did for them. And so that's very hard for some of them. And we've had quite a few over the, the couple years we've been here, two and a half years, that have come forth and the Lord has done something in them. But see, you have to go the Lord's way for the healing to take place. Now, two verses in closing. There is an importance to collecting the light, as we're talking about, correctly. It's important. I wanted to show you two verses. In Matthew 25, see, you don't want to have other motivations, different things going on in your heart uh, that are not right. You know, we want to get things taken care of. So that whenever the light comes, we can bring that into our heart and our life with a pure heart. So that the light can do what it is ten, the Lord intends it to do. So here in Matthew 25, it's a story in the beginning of um, the five wise and the five foolish virgins. So the five, if you look at this, the five wise virgins... There's something there in their life. You know, they have a purity about them. And that purity causes them to do what is necessary to be prepared. The five foolish virgins, something wasn't quite right there with them. And look at verse 11. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. So why did they do that then? See, the five foolish virgins were deceived. And the Lord will always try to deal with a deception in the heart if, if one's deceived. If a person's deceived, the Lord will bring about opportunity to correct that deception. But the five foolish virgins, they thought they knew, and they did not do what was necessary before to prepare them for the coming of the Lord, coming of the bridegroom. They were deceived in deception. And in Revelation, turn to Revelation in closing, verse 9, chapter 21, verse 9. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me, John, and talked with me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Then it says, Her light was like a precious stone, like jasper stone, clear 
or pure as crystal. Now, what I have seen in the scriptures related to the bride of Christ, one of the things you see is that Jesus said that she would be a glorious church, meaning that she would have the glory of God. And in here, it talks about her light being pure as crystal, pure. And for her to have this pure light, that means that she had to take to herself light and have this single eye or this pure eye in the process. You understand? So for us, we can walk in the light. We can hear. The pure light can be brought forth. But we need to look at our heart and our life and say, okay, am I gathering this? Am I receiving this with a pure heart? Without all these other motivations that some people have. Now, if that is the case with you, then you are well on your way to what we see here in Revelation 21. The light being pure being clear, having the glory of God and her light was like most precious stone, like jasper stone, clear, pure, clear, clear, clear as crystal. You're reading the characteristic scene in the bride there, and that can be in you, and it is to be in you. As long as you take to yourselves the light correctly without mixing it with pollutants, without this desire, you know, have other motivations for being able to, um, to know, to have knowledge. I want knowledge for myself or to do this or to that, do that. No motivations like that. Just receiving the pure light will be okay.